stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! Good evening and welcome to episode 77, hashtag Bottas, episode of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighbour, does Mr. Andre Harrison, and with me, as always, is Mr. Ryan King. Yep, glad to, you know, survive the snowstorm and be here to record an episode. <laughs> yes, good news, people have been asking in, Ryan King is alive, that is definitely good news. Um, <laughs> nice to hear, as always. Now, we've had a plethora of attempted guests on this one, because RJ is not here, he is moving house. He'll be back next week, God bless him. We had Sarah, it was going to be on again, but she had to pull out because of a team meeting. But we did find another guest, this is a free man booth. Welcome him back from MSTF1 himself, Mr. Matt Conero, hello sir. Hello Dre, hello King, uh, this is what, the second time I'm deputizing for someone on this show? The very first time I was here, I was deputizing for AJ, right? Yep. Yes, yes you, yes, you did. Like this is your fourth appearance now. Like, like we, we need to send you a hat trick ball still, but uh, it's 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 in the mail. It's in the mail. But, Thank you. Um, I, should, I should probably get a buy on the episode on the website as well. I'm basically a member of the of the show now. Don't you start fucking pushing this yet? Like, listen, we need just have RJ as a replacement for for Johnson in the first place. <laughs> also, I tweeted the fact that Cook said well, I repeated recording episode seventy seven. Haha, suck it, Cook. His response was. Ferrari are a lost cause and only washed up ex-champions go there. <laughs> I'm going to kill so, you in your sleep, Cook. <laughs> Ferrari are IndyCar now, apparently. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Um, in the meantime, let's, f- let's just t- take care of some general housekeeping. Places where you can find this, we're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. A very fun 17-minute highlight segment from last week's show is up there right now, talking about all the F1 liveries out there with Sarah as RJ as well. Um, We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. Obviously, you can find our podcast on all good podcast sites, that's SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, um, iTunes, and the the, the, the podcast app on Xbox Live. I still think it's the most baller thing ever that you can play us on the next-gen console. That's just sick right there. Very meta. But uh, and if you really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon at, at patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. A whole bunch of cool perks on there. And as we announced last week, if we get to $100 a month in backing, I promise I will do a weekly Google Hangout on the YouTube channel where hopefully people don't take screenshots of my face. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know even. I don't even know why I'm letting him on this week. I really don't like. I've been. I've been through the ringer on that one on on many occasions for that one. But uh, mm. yes, yes, deep, I was deep, deep inside. You still love me. You know that. Shut up. <laughs> Just shut up. <laughs> Bastard. He's right. That's, that's, that's the most annoying thing about it. And also, if we get to $125 a month of Patreon backing, we are also going to give away a t-shirt every month of the year. Hooray! And if you're a Patreon backer, you get double the chance of winning. So, hey, all the more reason to back us on Patreon if you really, really like us. So, if you want to see more of my delightful, extremely happy face, back us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Now, there's probably you probably already guessed why we haven't really made a, one of those witty opening jokes to start the episode, um, and well, sadly we got to start with some sad news as uh, 
the legend, and I say this with with no sarcasm whatsoever. It's a word that's thrown around a lot, but the, the truly great John Surtees sadly passed away earlier this week at the age of eighty three, and um, nineteen was it nineteen sixty four world champion? I want to say King. Yes, sixty four. Yes, nineteen sixty four world drivers champion. I got a year right for once, thank goodness. Uh, like, luckily, when it's important, I can actually remember my dates for once. Yeah, 1964 Formula One champion and a four-time Grand Prix motorcycle champion as well. well. And, four time in the top class. Yeah, I mean, that, like that's the important one, isn't it? You know, <laughs> in, like in overall, sense. he has okay. seven world championships in Grand Prix motorcycle racing. Not bad, not bad. <laughs> and he's still he's still the fifth youngest person ever to win a world championship. Really? Yeah, he was, I didn't know. Yeah, he was 22 when he won his first championship. I think when Rossi won his first title in 2001, he was only 46 days, yeah, 48 days older than Surtees when he won his first title. So, like, just quick, just quick curiosity on that one. Like, who was the youngest ever world champion? In any of the three classes, then? Uh, Mark Marquez. Like, ah, it's Marquez. its youngest premier ch- class champion, yeah. Marquez is ah, the youngest. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, I was like, I was like, is there someone, like, I'm, I'm missing, is it really that obvious it's Marquez? Yeah, it's, but, yeah. Um, it, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shut up, Dre. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but, yeah, it's, you know. I mean, what can you say? I mean, Surtees, they just don't make him like that anymore. I think is 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 just the phrase I would come up with the most to describe him. And one of the just genuinely great all-round talents in the history of motorsport to be able to dominate and win on two wheels and on four wheels as well. And um, King, I'm I'm sure you know a lot more about this than I do. And you know, the floor is yours. You want to talk about talk about John, but uh, a genuine legend of motorsport for sure. Uh, I don't want to say that he was that he was an unlikely legend, but he's probably the closest you could get to an unlikely legend because when he first started mm. racing, he was a 17 year old kid on an engineering apprenticeship at I think Vincent Motorcycles in Stephenage, and he was wow. he was working an apprenticeship for probably like four pounds a week wow that's what I, that's what our government is called like, like like a really extortionate fee for a minimum wage these days <laughs> but, uh, but but um gosh like i didn't know that he, he was just an engineer at first but he just like like what what possessed him to suddenly start driving these damn things <laughs> he's started winning like he just took out one of, <laughs> he just took out one of the company bikes on weekends and just won and won and won <laughs> <laughs> what a natural oh, talent it's like oh I'm actually really good at this <laughs> like actual conversation right there we have to put in inverted commas there but um, gosh what an incredible talent and from everything I've I've read on seen about him I know I've had many friends like Tom Brooks and Jake Sanson they've had the pleasure of interviewing him and from all accounts seems seemingly a genuinely lovely man as well and I like the I like the words that Will Buxton said earlier this week where he said, despite all of it all, a father gets to hug his son again because obviously we all know the the tragic death of, of, of Henry a few years ago and that accident and his foundation that lives on the Henry Surtees Foundation in his honour, which researches into head injuries and brain trauma in motorsport. And um I said this on Bike Live, I will say it again here. Um, next week, so the week of the 20th through to the 27th, for every play we get as a podcast, I will donate five pence to the Henry Surtees Foundation. So, you know, let's, 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 let's pay a little something back. So, you know, click some episodes, 
listen, have a good time, and let's uh, let's raise some money for the Henry Surtees Foundation at the same time. But uh, rest in peace, John, and obviously our thoughts go out to, to all this family and loved ones and those in motorsport because boy like they don't get much greater as a talent than john surtees yes. and god damn it he should have been knighted for god's sake well why did we drop the ball on that one so hard <laughs> nah, it happens it happens yeah yeah we're brits we do it a lot unfortunately uh well i'm a brit anyway like i'm the only one that's on this show these days <laughs> damn it <laughs> I keep, I'm getting dominated by the Americas here as, as, as time goes on. But, um, yeah, rest in peace to the great John Surtees. Um, so, we got some other fun stuff to talk about in Keeping It 101. And <laughs> we we watched the Daytona... We didn't really talk about the Daytona 500 on this podcast very much. It was a fun... Sh- it, was, it was a relatively sort of fun <laughs> event. We may have seen it on YouTube where we where about eight of us watched it together and I just ended up turning into alcohol about halfway through um, in the form of a Rubicon mango bottle. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we got through it in the end and I promised I would never watch NASCAR again. But I had to make an exception because, King, we had a fight. <laughs> an, an actual fist fight. Yes, yes. There was a fight during the end of the NASCAR Cup race in Las Vegas last weekend. Because during the run to the line, did I know we talked about this in the stream. Was it? I know it wasn't for the lead. It was for second or third. It was for third place, I want to say. Yeah, third, fourth place, yes. Yeah, third and fourth yes. place between Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch in his number 18 M&M's Toyota Camry and Joey Logano in his number 22 Penske, well, Shell Ford Fusion. And they're coming around the last quarter for the line. It looks like that Kyle Busch is going to finish the race in third. But then Joey Logano comes up, gives Busch a little love tap in the third. In, in, in the last corner, Busch gets loose. Basically loses it, thankfully avoids the wall, heads down pit lane, but by then it's far too late. Logano is gone across the line in third, and Bush is probably down a, a good four or five positions. Yeah, Bush slides down the pit lane. A, a, a nice courtesy, I guess you could say, um, <laughs> on, on, on that one. And, like, shout out to Jeff Gluck for the fantastic video footage of this, as he's following. Because after the race ends, um,. Bush is walking up pit lane, and you know what's going to happen here. Like you can see the footage, and you know, like, like I like that nobody tries to stop Carl Bush at any point here. <laughs> like, like, like you know exactly what's going to happen, and yet nobody tries to stop it. It's great. Like NASCAR's like, there, let him fight. <laughs> yeah, he, he's the he's the homeboy. You gotta let him loose. In there. Yeah, and the thing is, like, yeah. no one expected it to escalate so quickly. Well, that's what happens when Carl Busch walks over to Legato and then sucker punches him. <laughs> it's like, yes. like, out of nowhere, he just clocks Legato square in the face. And the next thing you know, Legato's crew are take, have taken Bush down and they're giving him the ground and pound treatment. <laughs> like, it, wasn't re- it wasn't really such Legato, it was more Legato's crew, yeah. basically. That had had enough of this, and they had just taken they had taken Bush down, and a couple of guys took a swing at him because hey, it's Carl Bush, why not? <laughs> Basically, <laughs> this is a once in a lot of opportunity here, friends. You got to take it. <laughs> Future shot, give give Carl Bush a punch, and Nietzsche, you know, 
They that's got like after about twenty seconds, they pull Bush off the pile. Basically, it's like a fight. It's like a fumble in an NFL game. They've pulled Bush off the pile, and, B- and Bush has come up bleeding from yep. the head. He's got a proper shiner on his like someone's giving him a good clock to the noggin. Yeah, he, he looks like Shane McMahon after he got his head tossed through a car window. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah, like 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 Legado, like Legado's been yanked off. Apparently, he didn't get hit once, apart from that sucker punch, obviously. But uh, like I said, like Bush has come up, he's bleeding. Like I love that they're trying to interview him after he's walking away from the track, and there's literally blood coming down Bush's nose. It's like he's just psychotic. He's just like completely phased out of this. It's it's great, and you know, again, Bush just completely unrepentant for 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 his actions. Logano says, oh, it was just hard racing, man. And I think Bush on the other side was like, well, Logano races hard. He knows what he's going to get, basically. <laughs> so, you know, it's a typical NASCAR fight, really. You know, both guys think they're in the right. And it's 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 a it's a fracas. It's a proper brouhaha. And honestly, half of the humor is just seeing Carl Bush get beaten up, quite frankly. <laughs> oh. If I mean, if I'm, I could beat the masochist in me as a fan is like, it's like that, and the funny thing is, it's like it's like Bush wasn't even the bad guy because it's in Las Vegas, and apparently the Las Vegas guys really like him, King. Yeah, because it's his hometown. <laughs> Both the Bush brothers are from Las Vegas. Oh, it's a hometown slot. Like, like King, there can't be anything more depressing than like a hometown guy getting beaten up at his own race track. I mean, like you say that no one stopped Kyle Bush while he was heading to Joey Logano. What was Kyle Busch think was going to happen when he walks up to Joey Logano just after he gets out of his car, surrounded by his entire pit crew? Hey, tunnel vision, bloodshot eyes. You gotta go for it, man. Gotta go for it. Shoot your shot, Bush. Exactly. Shoot your shot. Exactly. <laughs> Shoot your shot, Bush. Like, honestly, if you're about to punch somebody, I don't think logic normally applies here. Like... If, if it gets to that point, you're probably not thinking about it. <laughs> and, and people are, people you know, are going after NASCAR saying, oh, why didn't NASCAR fine or penalize Kyle Busch? I'm like, well, Joey Logano wasn't fined or penalized for what he did out on track. Yeah, when he T-bowed Kenseth last year, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, or that race where he moved Kyle Busch out of the way. Oh, dear. <laughs> exactly. NASCAR, like, like I said, secretly, NASCAR loved this kind of shit, really. The guys that were more upset were Mars. The guys that sponsored Bush. Like, this yes. doesn't represent our values. This doesn't represent <laughs> our company values. And the thing is, they, <laughs> they, they will, they, they will, like, say we're not sponsoring him for this race because they have done it in the past. When he was in the truck series, he intentionally took out another driver and for the with like three races ago in the season, he took out another driver intentionally and for the last mm-hmm. two races they're like, "Yeah, we're not sponsoring you." And he drove around with a blank car. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, is well, he so sure pet? has some history with that, yeah. Yeah, that's that, that's America. They're just so petty out there. Like you know, we're not going to sponsor you for three rounds as punishment. <laughs> we're not dropping you. We're just going to suspend you for a little. Yeah, bit. yeah. The same company nice. still sponsors them to this day. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh no, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna block your car for a race. Oh, I mean, dear. Uh, would you really go let go of your moneymaker even if he just square punched the uh, broke broke some other guy's jaw? No, <laughs> that's the last thing. That's that's the last thing NASCAR needs, man. They need all the ratings they can get right now. Have, have a fight. We need more fights. 
<laughs> it's just the reality of it. If you're an ass guy when your ratings are falling, yeah, let's have a fracas. Why not? <laughs> I mean, it worked for Top Gear. <laughs> yeah, it Top Gear. Look at it now. It's as good as it's ever been. But uh, you know. Like, I, like I, we talked about this, King, because we watched one of our favourite journalists, Bamani Jones, do a video about this a few years ago about you can fight if the sport is right. And, like, why do people hate sports fights so much, King? Like, sports fights are amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it, it's fine if it's, if it's NASCAR and hockey, it's questionable. Like... It's it's more questionable now because people know more about head trauma. Yeah, and these guys are just wailing on people in these hockey fights, where you're basically allowed a little bit of a scrap, but not too much. Like like somebody has to win the fight before they before they break it up. <laughs> yes, like that like that's hockey these days, basically. And, and you know it's more like that. But like you know, like I said, like people pretend to hate fighting, and like I love a good sports fight. I just do. I said it on I said it on our hangout. Uh, on Monday, the Manus in the Palace is my favourite basketball moment of all time. Oh, <laughs> Even though I, I do, f- I do feel bad for the one guy that was mistakenly clocked my Rodar test. <laughs> that, that was the first action of that. F- well, it wasn't the first action of that fight. No. It was the first action where fans were involved in that fight. <laughs> yeah, like Ro- like like Rodar test is laying there on the camp. Like, look, for those of us who don't know about the Manus in the Palace, it was a, it was a, it was a basketball game between the Pacers and the Pistons, and. Like Ron Artest and Ben Wallace are going at it, and both of these guys have reputations of being hard foulers, enforcers, like guys that are not afraid of a few fisticuffs. Basically, now there's there's a skirmish, there's a, there's a couple of shoves, there's a couple of punches thrown. They break it up. Artest is sitting on the scoring table, perfectly chilled, waiting for it all to die down, and then one fan throws a beer at him. And you all know what happens next. <laughs> he bum rushes into the crowd to the location where the beer came from, starts wailing on a fan, which wasn't even the guy who threw the beer. <laughs> oh my god, this sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. Matt, after this ends, Google the malice in the palace and thank me later. I um, shall. It is one of the most ridiculous sporting fights ever in any context. It's insane. And Artest got, I think, an 80-game suspension in the NBA for it. Like, like, basically, it was a one-season suspension. Yeah, because like was, <laughs> because an NBA season is 82 games long. Yeah, so, and he got an 80-game suspension. So basically, I think it's still the biggest suspension in NBA history. Like For something like that, it's, he got 80 games. I think Steven Jackson got 60 games, which is amazing because Jackson was like the main guy that was just in all the violence. Yeah. Like, the, the joke that Bamani made in that video is like, Steven Jackson here! <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Jack, like, Jackson was out of control, just like breaking down all like, the little skirmishes. I think the phrase he used to describe it was that that part of the fear was that part of the fear. Yeah, he, he, done. yeah, what? yeah. He said he said it, he said it was like he was a Rod Artest up in the stands. That was the Pacific Theater. <laughs> Stephen Jackson <laughs> on the court. That was the that was the that was Europe. He was handling Europe. <laughs> he was handling. He was on the ground there handling Europe. <laughs> 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 
Oh my it's god! Like, like they said, security should the rest of the security should have been handed him a hat to give him a tip because <laughs> he was really like it was like okay, you got a pacer and a piston fight. Steven Jackson just runs over there, just clocks him, fight over, runs over to the next fight, clocks the guy, fight over. <laughs> And that was with Fred Jones on the ground getting the piñata treatment. No, it was like, it, it, it was like no, no one out here is like, oh, poor Fred Jones. <laughs> it is the most amazing thing. Oh. I highly recommend that. And I also might also recommend Mike Kazemba's video he did breaking down said malice in the palace. And how about over dramatic? Oh, yeah, a bit over dramatic. But he breaks it down to the point where it's like the fan that Ron Artest started wailing on, like the guy who threw the beer, ran over to Ron Artest and tried to pull him off the guy he was punching. Oh, he's like, he's, like, he's, he's like he's had a face turn. He's like, no, no, no. Fight me instead. <laughs> but yeah, that was probably was like the... one of the... Looking back, it's hilarious. But in the moment, it's probably like one of the most ugliest moments in American sports. <laughs> it's ugly. And that's what makes it so beautiful all at the same time. <laughs> because remember, kids, if, you, if you're getting to a fight on the ground, just pray that Steven Jackson is there for you. Yeah, it's like <laughs> there, there's only like a handful of sports where fighting is okay. It's... Pretty much NASCAR, sometimes hockey, and baseball. That's it. Oh, I love a good baseball fight. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Yeah, because when a baseball fight happens, it's everyone. <laughs> the dugout's clear, and there's a hundred people scrapping on the middle of a baseball field. It's amazing. Going over the top, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <it's> like <laughs> everybody. Like, there's, there's almost a situation where... It's almost you're obligated to be involved in the fight if a fight happens in baseball. If you're on the bench, you're obligated to get out there and help your teammate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like you look like an asshole if you're the one that didn't go out there to protect the fight. Yeah, you, you like... just you just sat there on the bench and just waited waited for it to clear out. No, you don't do that. The king is like my favorite. It's my favorite fight line in phrase. Like you may not have started the fight, but you want to be the guy who finishes it. Like that. Like that's the logic we're going with here. <laughs> like I still but remember, we have to like mention- early two thousands, like New York and Boston would have a fight every other week. Oh, that, that was great! Like one one guy gets hit by a pitch, and then all the dugouts clear. It's amazing. But um, King, like before we move on, real quick, like. What are some of your favorite motorsport fights out there? Because what? Because I, 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 I jokingly broke broke a few of them down um, on Twitter the other night because there were just there were some funny ones I can remember. Paul Tracy and Alex Tagliani in the days of Champ Car was gold, <laughs> mostly because Paul Tracy just didn't give a shit, quite frankly. And he was like French French drivers; they never take their helmets off. <laughs> <laughs> They're smart. They're smart. They're clever, like they're clever, and because again, shout out to friend of the show Elizabeth Worth this one. But when I mentioned that Paul Tracy fight, and she's a massive fan of Francois Sivert, and after a crash, or I think he already had two fractured ankles, he punched Jody Schechter's helmet in a fight and fractured his wrist in the process. Like oh that is the, the that is the dumb thing racing drivers do. Like if they get into a fight, they punch the crash helmet. Why? <laughs> It's you the natural instinct the... of going for the head, you know? Yeah. But they forget but that mean, there's like, a crash helmet in there, and it's going to crack your, open your hands. I mean, like, in, like, there's there's some, like, in hockey, there's, like, this weird etiquette in hockey where if, if you're going to have a fight in hockey, you always 
take your helmet off and drop the gloves. I don't know why you take yeah. the helmet <laughs> off, but you take the helmet off and you drop the gloves. Like, they don't think this through. You keep your helmet on, protect your head. <laughs> like, this is not clever. Like, like I said before, Nelson Piquet had the right idea when he was taken out that one time. Piquet pushes the helmet for the distraction and then throws some kicks to the body. So, <laughs> yeah. He's very clever, Nelson Piquet. Like, the, 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 those Brazilians are next level. They know how to fight. <laughs> yeah, we, we know our Muay Thai. <laughs> You're like, I was hoping for some capoeira, but I'll also settle for some kung fu kicks to the crotch from Nelson <laughs> Piquet. He just goes full kung fu on him for a minute there. It's like... <laughs> or or, or, or Nelson Piquet Jr. attacking people in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great one. Paul Tracy was a great one. I, I, mentioned, I, I mentioned one from like the BSB Riders Cup the other day, right? Hang on. I'm going to see if I can find this. Like, I don't know if you guys saw the clip I put of, I put of this. Um, but I'm going to play this like live. There was a fight at Alton Park um, in 2014 in a BSB Superstock 1000 race, okay? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to put this in the Skype chats, and you're going to get a live reaction to this. Don't play it until I tell you to, okay? okay. So keep it paused and keep the timer at zero, all right? Okay. Is it, you guys ready? Ready. Okay, three, two, one, play. Like, I'm going to run this through, Okay. Mm-hmm. They're coming over. They're coming over the top corner here, right? You see the crash is about to be right about now. Oh, okay, yep, you see I them just the saw back. Him fly off. Yep, yeah. it goes off camera. What, what's the, the guy camera. in the red? Give some ground oh. up. Oh. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> he just goes immediately. He just pins it to the ground. <laughs> he just goes for it. No, wait, wait. It gets better. Look, the guy in the blue, right, gets what? up and he comes oh, up oh, and he goes. Oh, 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 oh man! <laughs> I think he knocked the protection of the helmet back. Oh my god! Like, the guy in the red helmet is giving him the is giving him the pinata treatment on the ground. There, he's punching the helmet. He's he need him in the helmet. Oh, it didn't even look like that. It looked like he just did like you know the big show just KO punch and just walked away. No, he, yeah, he's giving like him a couple. He, 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 he's giving him a couple of the knees, and then the guy gets up afterwards and is like, "No, come here!" And he sucker punches him right in the back of the helmet. It's amazing. Oh my god! Like. Like, like, riders just don't get it. You don't want, Why do you aim for the helmets, people? It's terrible. But I, I had to play that one. That one is just. That one is just gold to me. Quite frankly, I, I just. Oh, it's amazing. But um, what, like, King? It, it's Ooh. it's time for you to rant about your beloved new motorsport series that you absolutely love, involving electric cars. Hmm. Oh, can, can we just save that for like? <laughs> I just I just need to calm myself down before. Okay. Okay. I've got. I've got. I was talking about the time that James Hunt punched the marshal. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. That's going to help you calm down, is it? (laughs) James Hunt punching a a marshal out is your idea of like a pleasant distraction. Okay, if you insist. (laughs) But, ladies and gentlemen, like, also it's kind of annoying because it's coming from Team Penske, but like. Their series, the Penske Games, is amazing. <laughs> Fortunately, it doesn't it really involve is. any fights, but <laughs> I don't know. Well, it involves competition. Later. Yeah, maybe yeah. they're gonna dry, they're gonna go and stuff more marshmallows in each other's mouths just for the. <laughs> maybe they'll maybe they'll sumo yeah. wrestle or something. I don't know. Yeah, they, but, they, uh, they just have a special guest appearance from Kyle Bush. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. the 
the, the seven Penske-sponsored drivers of IndyCar and NASCAR. So that's Simon Pagano, Helio Castroneves, Will Power, Joseph Newgarden. Um, who, who am I missing here? The three NASCAR Joey guys. Logano, jo- um, Joey Logano, Keselowski, and Ryan Blaney. Uh, Ryan Blaney, that's the one. Thanks, thanks, Matt. Yeah, like they're in their own little mini YouTube series called the Penske Games, where they take part in the weirdest tasks in the world to tr- for, for YouTube bragging rights. And episode one was them building Lego, like who could build a Lego car the fastest. And the highlight of this was definitely Simon Pagano hunched over his table, not knowing how on earth he's going to do this. Like that, like, like Pagano is standing there, like genuinely perplexed at like a thirty-piece Lego puzzle. Like I, I just find it amazing that he sat there, and just slumped over the chair like that. That was amazing. Um, it took him five minutes to do like a thirty-piece Lego car, which um, Joey Legado won and did it in like just over a minute. It was amazing, but. This episode that came out today was on the Chubby Bunny Challenge, which, for those guys that don't know, which I didn't until today, because America is is stupid, (laughs) basically. Agreed. They have a a contest where they now have to put as many marshmallows in their mouths as possible while saying the words Chubby Bunny. And the winner is the person that can take the most Chubby Bunny marshmallows in their mouths without gagging, basically. And... I think it was a tie between Will Power and... Who was the other guy that got 10? <laughs> I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but, like, Powell's on there. Powell's like, it's like his face was melting. It's amazing. Like, <laughs> go out of your way to see. It's like, Joseph Newgarden is all the cockiness, but he, he can only manage, like, eight. Yeah, he's like... As I remember at the beginning, it's like, guys, guys, you're going to need another bag. <laughs> Yeah, guys, you yeah. need another bag here. Like, what if we need? What if we need another bag, you guys? Like, what if we need another bag? But um, <laughs> it's it, it's amazing. It is amazing. It's very funny. Go out of your way to see that too. Um, so, King, do we do we talk about IndyCar first, and then and then we'll and then we'll let you? Yeah, get, yeah. Let's, let's talk run. about IndyCar first. Okay, okay. That's that'll do for keeping it one hundred and one. Let's move on and let's talk about IndyCar and the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. IndyCar's great big season opener for 2017, the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg in Florida, and um, King, your French man's, but not but not the other one. It's like <laughs> it's the other one this time. Sebastian Bourdais wins the IndyCar Grand Prix of St. Petersburg from last on the grid, uh, as you I, do. <laughs> I was just in shock. I I had him like. Let, Let's be fair, a lot of people were not entertained by the race. It didn't have a lot of on-track action, but the strategy... No, it didn't. Like, like, people either getting their strategy calls just on the money, or people just, you know, complaining because their strategy was completely garbage. Yeah, for those of us that didn't know the context, like, there were, I think there was only two cautions the entire race. Like, it was a surprisingly... Like one of the biggest rolling narratives of like this of like the the was it the NBC coverage being bad or is it the ABC? ABC. One? It's ABC. One at a time, people. It sounded pretty much the exact yeah. same ABC. thing for a second. ABC's ABC is the bad one. 
Okay, yeah, ABC, okay, apparently ABC is the bad one. I, I, I can't differentiate between them. But yeah, ABC <laughs> was the bad one. And like, did you see the fact they kept running these analytics? Like, okay, there's a this, this, this percentage chance there's going to be a quarter in the few laps. Oh, and yeah, it I never remember. Uh, yeah, midway through the race, it was like 93% of caution and no caution at all. Nope, none, none. The last caution, I think, was like, I want to say that something like lap 44. And that was because uh, Michaela Lotion tried an audacious pass on Tony Kanaan failed and then smashed the back of his car up a bit basically and some of the field had just gone into the pits before this caution had come out um and it basically split the field up because the, the big winners were essentially um sebastian bourdais who was started at the back of the field because dale coin the hipsters um basically we all know this from last year in quantum daily and simon pagino who had to start from 14th on the grid after a poor qualifying session and uh, he was starting on the on the on the primary black tire, and he suddenly came into play. Bordet was basically able to to fuel save much more. He didn't have to save as much fuel as Pagano had to in the running. And Pagano would pass Bordet. Sorry, sorry, other way around. Bordet would pass Pagano, I should say, oh. and Bordet would go on to win in in not so dramatic fashion, so to speak. Um, it, again, as King said, there wasn't an awful lot of on track action and. Sadly, the guys that were leading at the time were completely screwed by this strategy, basically, because the caution flag and the fact you can't pit during the first laps of a caution before the, before the field gets bunched up again, it really, really hurt one James Hinchcliffe, who was leading the race at the time. Um, Hinchcliffe was superb in the first half of the race. He pulled off two very daring passes off caution restarts, one on Will Power at the, on the opening lap and another one on Scott Dixon. To, to take the lead um he was gone for the first 20 laps of the race but dixon was slowly reeling him in again but uh yeah the schmidt peterson car losing pace after the caution hinch would eventually finish in ninth but uh king guess who was salty about that finish <laughs> uh dixon how'd you guess <laughs> <laughs> oh dear it's 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 becoming a trend now poor guy like 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 we mentioned this on our hangout, like Dixon is getting salty no, no, and salty. Like, to me, like if if you're a longtime listener of the show, to me it really feels like Scott Dixon is the Phil Hellmuth of IndyCar strategy. <laughs> He's so good at it, but when he gets wrong, when he, when he gets the strategy wrong, it feels like that it's rigged. That it's like that. Why is this happening to me? This makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> How could this happen? Like. Dixon, who, by the way, would still finish in third. Hardly a bad result for Dixon in the grand scheme. But the problem is he finished 27 seconds behind Bourdais in the end because he lost track position so bad um, in the caution. Because he came out ahead of Hinchcliffe in the pit stops. And Dixon was the biggest victim of the, the change of strategy calls, basically. And Dixon was salty about it. After the race, calling Bourdais' comeback, quote-unquote, fabricated. Um... <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, um, message to Scott Dixon: This is what IndyCar has always been. Stop being so salty. Like, well, we acting like Dixon has never benefited from a, from a caution before ever in, in his entire career. <laughs> like, I I just find it amazing that Dixon just sat there and has the audacity to call his comeback fabricated when Dixon has benefited from many a caution before himself. I'm sure. Like, oh dear. I mean, King. Does Dixon have a point here? Because, like, we know how IndyCar rules are like, but 
It's just the way that Dixon said it just made it seem so salty. No, he doesn't have a point. Like, it, you can't... Like, what, they're not going to throw a caution when an accident happens? Like, seriously? Because the thing is, I think Dixon's complaint was that the, the, the debris on track was, like, in a really obscure location that wouldn't have warranted a caution. Basically. No, it, it was pretty much in the middle of the track. I remember yeah. seeing that... that. That uh, that incident was in the middle of the track and it was like a big piece of the rear of the rear pod from Canon's car, so they had to take it out. Yeah, like basically Dixon said he was going to complain to the stewards afterwards about like, like I don't understand why there was a caution for this this great big hunking piece of rear wing in the middle of the track. Like like how could they possibly call a caution for this? <laughs> yeah, Dixon is just Dixon was just mad salty. God bless him. Like I think it's the age thing and the fact he's been so unlucky the last year and a bit now that Dixon's just going to go full old man and be really really angry at everything. Like like Dixon, like, like, like King. Do you remember last year when Dixon, bas- Dixon's wife Emma, basically called the series rigged? Yes. After Toronto. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he went. He went full Aisha Curry. Don't ever go full Aisha Curry. Oh dear, oh dear. Like, like Emma said. Oh, the series is rigged. They've got it in against Scotty, and then she deleted that tweet like an hour later. <laughs> <laughs> It was amazing. Well, if uh, we rely on the Dixon family, uh, we're going to be able to mine New Zealand for salt in a few years. <laughs> He's unearthed a salt mine. It's great, basically. Um, but, like, as much as Bordet's... I mean, first of all, how nice is it to see Bordet win a race again? Like, how good is this man? Oh, like, so the, like, great. <laughs> so great. Like... Yeah, like it, it was really great. Uh, I was so happy for him. Even even though my fantasy picks it all almost horrible, almost almost all of them, I was so happy to see Borde win. Yeah, and guess you had guess you had Borde and Pagano. I'll give you a hint: it's not me, and it's not the Brazilian. <laughs> oh, also, guess who had Borde but switched him out for Hinchcliffe? Oh, <laughs> so yep. sorry for you're listening you, man. to him right now. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I had well, I had. Bourdais and Pagano, so... <laughs> yep. So, so yeah, King had fucking first and second. What a bastard. <laughs> we all hate you now, King. <laughs> God damn you. But in, in, in serious this case, like, it was really nice to see Bourdais. And he, like, just the genuine emotion out of Bourdais was a real surprise to me. And like I think it was John Beakers that talked about it, how surprising it was that... You know, because Bordet is normally such a cool, calm, collected customer in an, in an indie car, and he's very docile. He's not the he's not a big emotional guy, but it all just came out after that win. It all just came to the surface, and he he was bawling his eyes out, the poor dude. Um, but delighted for Bordet, a real a real good guy. And I've said it before; I think he's one of the most underappreciated drivers like of this generation. We don't talk enough about just how frigging good Sebastian Bordet has been. In, in race cars, in sports cars, you name it, he's driven it and he's nailed it a lot of the time. And he's one of the finest all-round drivers I can think of, like, ever. Like, he's, he's the one fantasy pick. I remember he did a super draft about regarding this. He was the one pick I was really pissed that King took. <laughs> because because of the French theme. Like I wasn't that mad at the... I, I applauded Matt for the Durrani pick, because I thought that was actually really clever. But... Like the one guy, I really, I'll say, okay, if I can get a guy as a late steal, who could I get? I could really get Bordet. Bordet would be amazing. And it's like, shit, King took him. <laughs> I should have known once the French theme was a thing, and in fact, he took Pagano over fucking Lewis Hamilton. But um, another Dale Coin strategy comes into play beautifully. Bordet goes on to take the win. 
in dominant fashion in the end. A very convincing 10-second victory over Simon Pagano. But um, there was one overwhelming, very noticeable element of this race that, 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 that was surprising. It wasn't just a race. It was all weekend. And as time had gone on, we were like, wait a minute. Is this actually happening? And Honda was really, really fast this weekend. Like, Honda have played second fiddle to Chevrolet for the last month or so. Or for the last few years, I should say, in IndyCar. What month was I thinking? But, um, <laughs> again, like Chevrolet's been the dominant engine supplier here in, in IndyCar for some time. And Honda, like, this is going to sound really ironic to say, given McLaren-Honda situation right now, but Honda's engine development was brilliant, clearly, because, like, the Hondas were fast here, King. Yeah, <laughs> like, with... Honda's issue, it's not really an engine problem in IndyCar. It's more of an aero problem. Because if, if you notice at the at the super speedways where it's where they're running basically no aero and it's only engine, Honda's pretty much the package to have. And I think it really helped them during this offseason having, you know, Ganassi in the camp to to see what they could do to set the cars up better for for, you know, the street circuits. Mm-hmm. And it seems to have worked because, I mean, seven Hondas in the top ten during the weekend. Four Hondas out of the fast six round in qualifying. Four of them were Hondas, only two were Chevrolet. Chevrolet, And it it, it took a monster lap from Will Power to take pole position in the first place over Dixon and Hinchcliffe. So, yeah, a real surprise to see Honda up there. I mean, is this going to go on for the rest of the season, King? This is going to be very interesting if this was just a one-off or whether it, like, Honda has genuinely got something here because last year it was like Honda came alive at the Super Speedway events. Like, this time around, if they've got the street circuits down too, this could be a really big year for Honda. Yeah, it could be a really big year, but I guess we'd have to wait and see until, I would say, Barber. Barber, that'd probably be the track mm. to see whether... Honda's really on pace with Chevrolet. Somewhere, probably in Ohio, a certain someone has that date of of the Barber race like circled in red on the calendar. His he his, his name isn't totally Graham Rahal. Like he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna have that one circled on the calendar. Barber, this is my time. I'm gonna win this one this time. Um, <laughs> I can imagine that already. But um, yeah, an incredible job from Honda to get seven in the top ten in there. The only three guys in there that weren't Hondas were the three pen- three of the four Penskis, apart from Will Power, who had a pretty wretched race weekend. Really, I mean, a drive through for driving over his air gun in the pits, and then having to having to fuel save so much he was going so slow he was black flagged. Oh, Will, <sighs> not a good weekend for him, the poor guy. Yeah, but let's um. Yeah, real, like King. That was our championship pick. Like, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, the new Garden picks didn't do much better. But you know, in any case, <laughs> like people are like, oh well, you know, guys, like it's great. Honda's faster, and then like people, you know, you do us. Dixon's going to win the championship now, right? It's like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Dixon's just going to own our souls instead. But um, one more thing I've got to talk about as well, like. Guys, the brakes. The brakes seem to be causing real issues out there for some guys. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be like they don't have good brakes. I mean, more of an issue of they don't have good brakes in terms of quality because it seems like the mm. push to, to, you know, cut costs have led to maybe not the best equipment. 
Oh, good. <laughs> that's the, that's not a good sign. I mean, that was the biggest talking point of the weekend for me was these new brake parts. I mean, Pagano mentioned it before the race that they had to adapt to it. Hinchcliffe mentioned that he, he had to basically change his driving style to get used to these new Brembo bakes. Ryan Hunter-Ray had an enormous wreck um, at turn 10 on, on race warm-up day because um, the brake, he had a brake failure. He yeah. went straight off into the wall. It was a it was a nasty looking wreck for Hunter Ray. Um, in the end, and again, Spencer Piggott, who was running in fifth at the time, um, Piggott was having a fantastic weekend, and all of a sudden goes into the pits, and then pop, uh, the brake goes so hot the tire explodes. Um, crazy scenes out there. I mean, apparently, according to a friend of the show, Nord the Dragon, he said that Brembo have not been able to look at data for these cars since Road America last year which might be contributing to the problem here by the looks of it, because these brakes look not good, to say the least. Yeah, no telemetry, there's no chance of making any changes to it. And also, I think, uh, didn't Bourdais get a, have brake problems on qualifying too? Which That's why he went yeah. straight into the wall? Yeah, he had yeah. brake problems. Yeah. yeah, he went straight into the wall and then started last, and then you know the rest. Yeah, dear. Yeah, it, it wasn't a good weekend for Brembo, let's put it that way. Like, especially in a weekend where not only did every major supplier of IndyCar say, yeah, we're signing new long-term deals and, you know, we want another engine manufacturer in here, like, Brembo has a very, very bad PR weekend with all their brakes failing. Mm. Whoopsie. Well, Brembo um, wasn't one of the companies that re-signed, so... That explains a lot. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, a quick run out in the, the full finishing order. Sebastian Bourdais wins. Leading 69 laps. Hashtag nice. Uh, Simon Pagano in second. Scott Dixon third ahead of Ryan Hunter Ray. Great recovery given his warm up accidents. Oh, great. King, who's in fifth? In fifth? Uh, I don't have the lineup in front of me. I'll give you I'll a give hint. Go on, Matt. All right. You, you can take Not this one, now. Matt. Not now. Oh, Sato. <laughs> Not now, Sato! <laughs> in fifth place. In all fairness, great weekend from Takuma Sato. He was fast all weekend long for for the Andretti team now. Well-earned fifth place. Probably should have been a podium if it weren't for the awful pit lane error his crew made there on his final stop where the wheel gun didn't work and it cost Takuma about 15 seconds and that would have probably cost him a surefire podium finish. Not to mention he was passed on the final lap by Ryan Hunter-Ray. Oh, dear. But in sixth place, Helio Castroneves ahead of... Oh, Marco Andretti in seventh. Guys, is he actually fast again? This this might be a problem. Just saying. <laughs> also, happy, also, also, happy birthday to Marco. Turned 30 a couple of days ago. Congrats to him. Joseph Newgarden in eighth. James Hinchcliffe, who led 21 laps and was before the caution in ninth. And shout out to Ed Jones, by the way. A fantastic rookie performance in his very first IndyCar race in the top 10. So Dale Coyne, first and 10th. They'll gladly take that. An excellent weekend for the Dale Coyne team. Ahead of last year's rookie of the year, Alexander Rossi in 11th. Tony Kanaan, 12th. J.R. Hildebrand in 13th. Michaela Lotion, 14th. Ahead of Connor Daly. Sorry, Lizzie. And Brennan. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> you did, did, did you really need to rub it in again? <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. Because I'm a, I'm a ruthless savage. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, exactly. Chevrolet. Like, Chevrolet, like, 40 switches to Chevy, and it's like the one year Honda turns decides to be really good. 
Uh, it's not, not a good look for the, for the AJ40 team there. Work to do where that's concerned. Uh, Max Chilton, who, by the way, had the pass of the race with going around the outside of Tony Kanaan through turn six. Spectacular stuff from Maximum Chilton there in 16th place. Finishing ahead of Graham Rahal, who was caught in a collision with Charlie Kimball on the start. Who do you blame for that one, fellas? Quick, real quick. Racing incident. Yeah, they both incident. like they both really clashed into each other. Kimball, um, no, it was Rahal, right? Uh, Rahal yeah, tried right. to go into the inside, and then Kimball shut the door uh, too early. Oh damn! But we like King executive decision. We're downgrading Charlie Kimball back to slightly above average again. <laughs> <laughs> he was like decent. Was was giving him too much credit. We're knocking him back down to slightly above average. Disappointing. Hey, willpower in 19, as we mentioned, just not his day. Drive through error. Um, had to. They had a slow puncher on a on a tire as well, and then was black flag for going too slowly. Just not willpower's day on this one. Spencer Piggott, as we mentioned earlier, was again he was passing people for fun out there. Piggott at one point, superb driving from from, from the sophomore there, and uh, just a shame his brakes literally exploded in the pit lane, as you do. Uh, and Carlos Munoz at the back didn't really recover from a first lap incident. He was perfectly was part of the Ray Hall Kimball collision there, basically. But um, hey, overall, not the not the best race in the world. Um, <laughs> But overall, you know, not not a bad stuff. You know, not bad. It's a, not bad. It's it's, a, it's acceptable. Yeah, yeah. It's like St. Pete isn't the best track in the world, but again, because it's a season opener, you kind of have that default excitement anyway. So you don't really mind if it's an average race. It's just nice seeing Indy cars again, basically. <laughs> at least that's how I look at it. So yeah, overall, a pretty, a pretty pretty you know solid race, decent race. Um, it's Long Beach next, isn't it, guys? No. It's, yes, Long Beach. Yeah, Phoenix. No, it's Long Beach, April 9th. Oh. I think. Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty... I'm, I, I, like, I'm pretty sure it was Phoenix next week. Not this w- weekend, but next weekend. Hang on. No, I think Phoenix, I believe, comes after Long Beach, and then Barbara. You know what it so is? I think it, I, think it might, I think it might have been fooled by the TV schedule. One second. I've, I'm, I'm Googling because, this now. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I Googled yeah. it a few days ago, and it's okay. Long Beach, right? Yeah, Long Beach is next. Yep, April 9th. Yeah, April 9th. So we've got to wait three weeks for another IndyCar race. Ugh, sad face. Well, but we got, three we've got weeks F1 in WrestleMania. Yeah, at least we get a Formula 1 race in between to keep us going, right? True. Yay? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. We've got, to, we've got to roll with that. We'll make do. We'll make do. Right, after this quick musical interview, we'll come back and we'll talk some F1-related news and stuff. Okay, let's talk about some of the F1 news and related stuff. And we've got to talk about the big story first of a couple of days ago because we in F1 are all fashion designers. Guys, Force India's got a pink car. <laughs> where's where's the excitement here? That, that's my <laughs> oh level my of god, ex- yes. Oh damn, yeah. My level <laughs> of excitement was like, okay, yeah, cool. I mean, I, I wasn't. I, I was almost as excited as King, but but I mean. 
at the very least, I really like it. It's turned into my favorite livery from from the least favorite livery from of everybody and myself included to basically everybody else's. It's now number yeah. one on my list. I have probably yeah. number like it's still behind the Tororoso in my heart. No, yeah, Tororoso is still deeper down in the list for me. <laughs> because yeah. I don't like I, good I, things. I, I, I think it's second. I, I I really like I really like that Force India. Um, I think it's a very nice livery there, and it's just nice seeing some color on the grid more than anything else. I mean, the reason why is that they signed a, a, a sponsor deal with um, BWT. Um, I think they're a water company. I think they are. Something yeah, like that. yeah, they're a water company. But yeah, new Great. sponsor. Yeah. A team actually has a sponsor. <laughs> I know. Like we, we talked about this last week. Like okay. This sounds like really, really dull marketing cheese, but at the same time, it's nice to see an F1 team gain an actual sponsor. Like, that was the big overwhelming theme of the reveals we talked about last week, was that, where did all the title sponsors go? Like, McLaren doesn't have one, Sauber doesn't have one, and it's kind of a bummer, really, because it's like, where are these teams making their money on this stuff now? So it's nice to see that Force India can say, yeah, we got a new sponsor, and it's all over the car, and it's a brand, and it's pink, and we're going to have pink race suits and pink race helmets, and I like it. It's nice. It stands out. You know, we, we like it's really, really cool. At least that's, 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 that's how I look at it, I suppose. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but... Um, I mean, no, that's, just, a very, that's a very fair assumption. I, I like it, too. Now that, you, now that you say that about it, I didn't actually think, but that's true. Uh, I think Forcini is... Like the only one so far that's had a title sponsor because um, the big teams they only have a bunch of little sponsors. Except but the, I mean, since except their work, yeah, Mercedes, you know, that's I, it. Like, yeah, mm, but, but like it, they're a works team, so they don't really need need the title sponsor money. Renault's also a works team, which could use some title sponsor, but again, they're only their own colors, their their own brand colors of yellow and black. So. Yeah, it's good to see uh, an independent team get a title sponsor apart from Williams, who has Martini as well. Yeah, we're getting there. Like we've got Williams, Martini racing. We've got Red Bull Tag Heuer power units. You know, because Tag Heuer totally make them. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just it's just overall, it's just nice to see a team gain a title sponsor, especially again, I'd say especially an independent, especially one that has been getting better year on year for the last few years as it is. Um, so just seeing Force India gain a sponsor like that, well deserved for their obviously for fourth in the constructors last year, which was a superb season, their best ever at Force India. So it's it's just nice to get some to get some extra color out there. I mean, Matt, how far we got to go to get a, to get a green car on the grid? I say we crowdfund this. Mm-hmm. We, we need we need we need a green car. We need we need green to fill out the rainbow king. Seriously. <laughs> We just, we I just, think we... some some purple we could use that too. Then we've had the full color spectrum. Well, we got we got we got red bull. That's a bit of purple, you know. Sort uh, of, it's kinda. well, if you go back to the infinity times, then maybe. But right now they're kind of yeah, they dull. Yeah, they you know, don't they're all purple matte. anymore, Trey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just you know, I I I missed the pearlescent purple. It was it was nice. Like I used to hate it, but I really it, it warmed on me after a while. It's like oh, it's pearlescent <laughs> and it shines and it's pretty and nah, it's just said no one ever. Shut up. <laughs> I like I liked it, okay? <laughs> now you're entitled I mean, to your own opinion as bad as it may be. You shut up. <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> but yeah, overall thumbs up for the Force India going pink and all that. And boo to Nico Hulkenberg for for saying that was the reason he left Force India. You you 
absolute wimp. It's like, what's wrong with pink, Nico? You're a grown man of 28 and you're going, oh, boo, it's pink. Ugh, just typical. Also, shout out to Natalie Pinkham for the most obvious hashtag real men wear pink hashtag of all time. I just sighed and rolled my eyes. <laughs> just, <it's> a, <sighs> There's always that one guy, isn't there? What guy? That guy. And in this case, that guy happens to be a girl. But still. <sighs> Sad face. Okay. So, let's talk about another big story, and that was GP2. GP2, it's official. It is no longer GP2. It has now become the FIA Formula 2 World Championship. Just, just championship. There's no world championships. That guy. <laughs> <laughs> what guy? That guy. <laughs> Fine. Yes. The FIA Formula 2 Championship. But King, it's finally here. This is this is all the good news, right? Yeah, I was I was surprised that when they announced it, it was effective immediately. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're not gonna put this off for another year. They just were like, oh, bang, here we go. We're Formula Two now, you guys. We, we got the Twitter name and everything. <laughs> we got the Twitter name and it's official. Yep. <laughs> so the first time since uh, nineteen eighty four, since there's been a direct Formula Two to Formula One. <laughs> uh, didn't they attempt to make a Formula 2 in 2009? Did it, didn't that go over, ever go off the paper? Uh, that, it, it was a failure in more uh. ways than one. It, it, that Formula 2 tried to be a rival to GP2 by being cheaper, mainly by being centrally run. So, like, there weren't teams. It was like the championship ran all the cars. Uh, and the cars weren't so uh, yeah, so we yeah. don't talk about it basically. Yeah, and the cars weren't powerful enough, and um, of course, someone had died during the course of that championship. Oh right. Oh, forgot. Not about helpful. That. Yes, yes. <laughs> that was a series where Henry Surtees lost his life. Oh, yeah, true. completely That's forgot it. about that. Wait, I mean, where to go, to Matt? Was with... Sorry, sorry, <laughs> uh, sorry for bringing the mood down again. <laughs> You're gonna get all the fans saying Matt's an insensitive cock or something like that. Yeah, again. Was... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that oh. series was run by uh, Motorsport Vision. That was run by Jonathan Palmer. Oh, him! Uh-huh. <laughs> Everyone's favorite dad of a pay driver. Um, <laughs> but King, like we've mentioned this before, we mentioned things about the super license and getting into Formula One and whatnot. For me, I think it's just really nice to see this ladder start to come up now for the FIA and just seeing an overall ladder start to come into play to get to Formula 1 now, I think, overall. Yeah, like, <laughs> right now it's just a brand change, but next year, Formula 2, they're, they were already scheduled to get a new car when they were GP2, so next year they'll have, uh, they're dropping the, the V8s for V6s, getting cars that look more like the current Formula 1 cars. I don't know in what ways that, I don't know specifically what that means, because when they first announced it, that was before, like, the current regulations were a thing. Yeah, like, aren't they replacing the cars soon, though? Yeah, that's what I said, they're replacing the cars next year. Yeah, 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 yeah so replacing the cars next year. Like, I think it was Arjun that pointed out, like, the old car, the car they're currently using now, has been around so long that they, they banned the shark fin in Formula One, only to bring it back in the time in between. We've had this exact same car in GP2, basically. Yes. 
Yeah, and it's still using V8 and just rod all this time. Yeah. Also. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you know, glad glad that GP2 is should that be now Formula Two is moving ahead of the times. That's that, that's it's really helpful and that's really good to see. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, overall though, I think I think it's just great. I think it's great that GP2 is is and is, is, is you know was okay with this all along. They've, they've become Formula Two and they're going to be. Like the official, official, official feeder series now <laughs> of Formula One. Mm-hmm. It's part of the part of the big super license plan. Top three guys are going to automatically get super license eligibility now. So, and you know, with them restricting that, hopefully we'll get a better quality of driver making it into Formula One. Maybe, who knows? Hopefully, possibly. Hopefully, <laughs> one can hope. Yeah, yeah and like, things are going to be changing down the line. Because there were some rumors, even though Autosports sources deny this rumor, that uh, the reason why, because Formula One, uh, they own the rights to GP2 and GP3. A reason, mm-hmm. like, the big rumors saying that, why would why would Formula One let the FIA run GP2 now? And it's like, well, apparently the rumor was in return... GP3 would become the official Formula 3, so they would start running Formula 3 cars in GP3, and the European Championship would either cease to ex- cease to exist or become like uh, I'd say a lower like uh, a lower like a feeder series to to you know the GP Formula 3. Yeah, that seems really interesting, and like that would pretty much be like the last piece of the ladder that's missing, really. I mean. The FIA, okay, it's the FIA European Formula 3 and whatnot, but then you've got GP3 to one side of that. It's kind of disjointed. Just, I think that would be like, just moving out the last, like, crease in the iron, really, for, um, of a shirt, for example. That's a really bad analogy. I've got to do better next time. Shit. But, um, but you, 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 you know where that was going. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you, 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 you get the idea. And I, I think that's what, the aim ultimately is what they're trying to do. They're trying to get one stream like that because it reminds me a lot of of um, of MotoGP where there's now distinctively a straightforward ladder. There isn't really an alternative path. Maybe World Superbikes, and that's about as far as it goes from outside interference. But and teams are now starting to build that way as well now. Like for example, with the IO guys, you've got you know they've got their Red Bull KTM team. They have the Asia Talent Cup, which is sponsored by KTM and whatnot. You've got their Moto2 team now with Brad Binder and uh, Miguel Oliveira on their bikes. And then you've now got the KTM factory seat with Bradley Smith and Paul Spagaro. Same deal with Pons, who wanted that MotoGP seat as well. Um, Strada Galicia as well. And Mark VDS, who are working together. They've now got influences in all three classes. So you can, you can start to see... Oh, oh yeah, I've mentioned junior teams as well, because they've got like the junior teams in the, in the junior championship too. So it's all starting to come together now, basically. Um... Hopefully that that is the that they get there in the end. That's part of the goal. Yeah, and I mean, well, <laughs> like I said, sources have refuted that rumor to be a thing. The new thing, like the new, well, highly, I highly respected rumor. The new, like, the number one thing that could happen right now is they just have a straight merger between the two championships. Hmm. hmm. What do you reckon? Uh, it. I can see it happening because right now both the series are struggling to maintain like decent sized grids. Like they both series want to have to them, a healthy grid would be like at least 20 cars and they're every year they struggle to get to 20. 
Hmm, that 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 could be a problem. Mm. Like, and then where does a healthy then, like a healthy grid for for like a Formula Three series should be around thirty cars. You'd think, yeah. yeah I, I, that's all. That's all I would say. Um, also, like, where, like, I wonder how Formula V8 factors into this now as well. It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. But, yeah, it's not gonna. It's not gonna factor in. Like I said, after I lost the Renault sponsorship and the World Series betting, it got lost in the void. So it's basically non-existent as of now. It's, it's, the, it's the Danny Brennan of racing series. Like, it, it, it reached the point where Jaime Alguaswari Sr. is like, the only way we could be relevant now is if we file a lawsuit against the FIA, which is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. But yeah, that's the future of, of the FIA junior scene, and it's looking promising. Okay, King, we can put this off no longer. Okay. You've had your, you've, you've had your fun. The, 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 the floor is yours. You gotta, What's up we, with your man? We got to talk about the junior series that I'm not so like happy that is a thing now. Well, we don't even know if it's going to be a thing now. Uh, uh, a car company out in Belgium, they revealed a new car called the Formulino E, which is a collaboration between Delara, I mean, collaboration I use in, like, the loosest of terms between Delara <laughs> and mm. Belgian electric powertrain constructor Punch Powertrain. And oh, they, they really reveal this, this, <clears throat> what do I call this car? It's, they, they want it to be the Formula 2 to, to Formula E, where it's effectively, if you're familiar with MRF Challenge, like the the Indian like winter series, that essentially it's that same Delara chassis, but you take out the you know the combustion engine and you put in an 160 horsepower uh, electric motor with a battery. Ugh. <laughs> it just sounds bad just by just by you explaining it but king how long can these batteries run these cars for uh they have like the longest runs they've done are about seven to eight laps at zolder in belgium which is about 15 minutes of continuous power very that's, promising that's that, that's what we call ungood <laughs> yeah uh what they want to do like they're they don't know what they're going to do to make it like they don't want car swapping to be a thing cuz that's, you know, the you know, popular thing to not have car swaps. So basically, they're trying to find a way to make battery swapping a thing. <laughs> oh, well, Formula God. E is also looking into doing that. So perhaps if this does come to fruition, if it does become a feeder series of Formula E, maybe possibly they could yes. switch in switch data. Also, I should note that Formulino E has no connection or involvement by Formula E or the FIA. It's just That's there. Important. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just there. Like, it wants to be there. Yeah, it wants to be there. They're having an official launch next Wednesday at the European Battery, Hybrid, and Fuel Cell Electric Vehicle Congress in Vienna. And uh, it's... Uh, like, they want to be a support series to Formula E. Right now, their target price for the car is about 80,000 euros for a car. And the uh, the people behind the project say that it's... 
that right now what you're get, that you're seeing this car that they just unveiled is a product of three and a half years of work. <laughs> really? Why does it not feel like that? <laughs> but King, why does it make you really upset? Uh, okay, car aside, like underwhelming car aside. Why does Formula E need a feeder series? That's the last thing it needs. Like, basically, whoever wants to drive for Formula E basically gets in at this point. Like, we've had a plethora of decent level names already take part in at least one Formula E race. You know, from the Lucas Degrassis to the Mitch Evans to Mario... Sorry, sorry, yeah, Marco Andretti. Um, You know, we've had a plethora of you know, decent names that have taken part in the series. Yeah, like, how you get- one of the selling points of Formula E is that they have high-profile drivers. It's not really a place where they're going to make a homegrown driver. It's not, it, it's, I would say, like, it's the WCW of, like, racing series. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. It's like they're, uh, they're, their picture of Formula E is 2000s Formula 1s. It's like WCW yeah. taking 80s WWF. That's the per- most perfect analogy I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, it's like... Perfect. You're not really going to get like a big... You're not going to create a superstar driver by getting someone out of your own feeder series. That's kind of defeats the purpose of you know, what they did first season of Formula E, where they had a driver's club, where the series themselves signed drivers to contracts and then gave them out to teams. Oh, God. <laughs> like, Formula, Formula E don't need no damn feeder series. They can get whoever the hell they, yeah. they, can get whoever the hell they want like, in their cars. That, and, like, w- when you hear this quote from Lucas Degrassi, where Degrassi says, it's very good to have a school or base car. It's it's very important. It's the best way to prepare. The best way to prepare at the moment is to go through the normal route. F3, F2, or maybe DTM. As Formula E evolves and progresses, it's natural the driver. It's natural the drivers will be prepared somewhere else. It's very positive to hear it's coming so early, and it's good prepar- It's good preparation, like like F2 to F1, and it will be much cheaper to run and less complex. But I mean, sh- shut up, Lucas. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> Like it, stop being such a company guy. It's like 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 he's he's, he's that's that's such, such a company PR line when he's when he comes out and he says that. That's just like it, to ugh. me, it feels like a cash grab that you hear that formerly oh, yeah. has all these new investors. So why not run a series? Because uh, like they said that the car is going to be eighty euros. Like I mean, eighty thousand euros. But I was gonna say eight years. He's like, I, I could have a, a Formula E car. I would in my totally backyard. jump into it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and but that's just the cost to get the car. Like most feeder series, their their races are not international. Like GP two, they don't, they rarely ever leave Europe. Exactly. Like, ugh, like where would you even start? On, like, where would you get like an academy of like twenty young drivers from, or thirty young drivers to even fill that class out, and then. Where's the money gonna come from? And just oh, it just feels like such a money grab to yeah, me. Yeah, like it's just the the chair of Formulino E is the former CEO of Zolder Circuit, Thierry De uh, De Flandre, and De Flandre has I wouldn't say 
a history of trying to like profit out off electric motorsport, but he also runs at Zolder uh, the electric motors the electric motocross of champions, which is basically if you ever heard of the motocross of nations, it's basically like an electric. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say rip off, but it's basically in the electric motocross of champions they get uh, spec uh, electric KTM motocross bikes. And they get, like, mm-hmm. uh, guys from MXGP to come in and do a one-off race every year. Well, I wouldn't say every year, because uh, last year was only the second year they did it. But again, like, it's very fishy when it's, again, a Belgian company who's creating this spec powertrain for a series to use. It It seems like you're really just trying to exploit the fact that a lot of people are investing in electric motorsport at the moment not that there's an actual need for a feeder <laughs> series i think you just Is have that- something against belgians <laughs> 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 oh dear oh dear <laughs> that, that's low and the short of that like king do you feel better now no <laughs> no <laughs> and um so so when are you selling your subreddit, King? Because you have the rights to Formula E. Oh yeah, I have the rights <laughs> to the username, to, to the Formula E username. Like I intentionally got, like I un- unintentionally got it before Formula E was a thing. I've never got any like contact that anyone like from Formula E wanted it. So we're gonna charge eighty million Zimbabwe dollars <laughs> for this domain. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Like King, we could we could fund our own racing team with the podcast money. Yep. <laughs> so again, the CEO said uh, they aim to have twenty cars ready for this year. They could scale up production if they need more than twenty cars, and they're in negotiations to have their first race this year. Well, we're going to see how that plays out. That is going to be interesting. Right, last story of the night, really, and that is um, wow. There seems to be a bit of internal conflict in Australia right now. Obviously, the Australian Grand Prix opening round of the F1 calendar in a couple of weeks' time. And, um, King, Adelaide wants their Grand Prix back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, according to a report in the Adelaide Advertiser, uh, their city council de- determined that it would look at the possibility of having a Formula One race again. And uh, the last time they had a Formula One race was 1995. They had the last yes. Adelaide Grand Prix, and essentially yep. the city council, they're going to make a request to the to their state government, the state of South Australia, to see if, if the state would pay for the Grand Prix to return. Right, that, that, is, that is interesting. Um, I mean, didn't they stop coming there in 96 after Hackenden's crash the previous year? Yeah, but it was not because of the crash. It was because Melbourne took the race. Right. Um, like, I've never seen Adelaide properly as a Grand Prix circuit. Is it actually any good? Uh, I've Yeah, I haven't seen the Grand Prix circuit in a race. I've only watched... Uh, I've only watched the, the supercars race there on a shorter version. Like, they still use it. It's an okay track. It's mm-hmm. Yeah, but people just feel... I think there's a lot of nostalgia around there because, obviously, that's the site of... Well, I think uh, Senna's last win was in Adelaide. Uh, yes, in 93. Yeah, 93. Mansell almost won the championship there in the three-way finale 
for the title mm-hmm. in uh, 84, 86. 86, which is, you know, Motorsport Magazine ranked that as their greatest Grand Prix of all time. Yikes. Wow. Okay, I mean, um, also, uh, but I don't think they will be able to, um, the, the one that people, the Adelaide that people are nostalgic about is the old one, yeah. the one they ran through the 80s and the 90s. I don't think they'll be able to get that back because I, I don't remember if they built something over the old layouts or oh, yeah, they, if it's just not viable to put the la- back to they put the old layout back again. Yeah, I it? think they did some renovations to the park, so the old circuit wouldn't be available. <laughs> Yes, and also I think the current circuit is also would be a bit too short for Formula One because running supercars is one thing, running touring cars in there, it's they're fast, but like they don't have oh, the yeah. same downforce to go through the corners as Formula One does. So a certain maybe a lap in, in supercars is what one forty, one fifty. That would go until probably that could probably go less than a minute in yeah, they could Formula probably, One if I'm not exaggerating. Yeah, they could probably go less than a minute. Like I I know it's much shorter. Because yes, but yeah, mm. like the fact they wouldn't be able to run the old circuit. It would have to be a completely. It have to be in a new location because not only because you can't run the old layout. Even if they had the old layout, there's no way you could bring it up to modern standards. True, that's very true. Yeah, that that was going to be my next question. Was like, could they get it up to a point where they could run it as a Grade One event and modernize it so it could run modern day F1 and. Do they really want to go to a sub sixty second place for a, for a lap time as well? That could be another problem. So, it doesn't seem feasible to you guys in that case. Uh, if they're gonna have to come back to Adelaide, it's gonna be at a different. It's gonna have to be in a different part of the city. I also agree. It's, there's no way they're gonna be able to make it in the in the park as the like the old days. As much as people will clamor for it, there's no way. No way. So. So we're saying this is practically dead on arrival unless they pour a ton of money into this, basically. <laughs> Pretty much, uh, yeah. yeah. Unless Bernie goes, unless Bernie goes, steps in to save it, like he's trying. I, I believe that I heard that Bernie is trying to make a São Paulo Formula E race. So, if he wants to get in the middle of Formula One again, <laughs> I'm not sure if he still wants to. He could try to that. Mm. That's one way of looking at it. Oh boy. <laughs> Um, also, well, like one part, one more element in this king. Like, there, there's going to be another Australian circuit being built. Yes, there's going to be another circuit outside of Adelaide that's being called the Bend, and it's going to be the. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great name. That's a tremendous name. <laughs> and it's going to be the longest FIA Category Two circuit. Category One being Toast Formula One. Category mm-hmm. two would be the second longest in the world, and the only circuit longer than it that would have that status would be the the Nurburgring Nordschleife. So, essentially, seven point seven kilometers. It would be a really long circuit, and essentially, that only be for like GT racing, only for sports cars. Yeah, but. Apparently, they're also aiming to get more disciplines over there, right? Yeah, in a shorter version, in a five-kilometer version of the circuit, they're going to try to get supercars. They're going to get national superbikes, and they're hoping to get MotoGP. Like I said said this before we went on the air, over my dead body. I do not want them taking Phillip Island off the MotoGP calendar. Phillip Island is bay. It's the best race track on. It's the best race track on the MotoGP calendar. You don't mess with Phillip Island, okay? 
Like, I celebrated too many times when Marquez won there two years ago in one of the best MotoGP races ever. I, like, I've come too far for this, King. I can't I can't lose Phillip Island. I can't. It, 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 but, it can't happen, man. But do we really want to risk more seagull lives in there? Yeah. Yes! <laughs> Sacrifice all the seagulls if that's what it takes. Have Ian only come out and just headbutt them all Go. to oblivion. <laughs> Apparently, Let's... I... Did not miss. I missed this when I was doing making my notes before the show. Uh, a newspaper in Adelaide had said like, like FIM had already been to the bend, and they say yeah, passed safety inspection for MotoGP. So, oh god, oh. that's the thing. MotoGP is getting all excited now because they want to keep adding more and more new venues. Like they want to go Finland, and you know that's been delayed another year. That's going to be 2020 now, from what I'm hearing. Um, they're still looking at trying to find a way to make Spa safe, but that's not going to happen. And yeah, but OGP is getting very excited. They want all they want all the venues out that they can think of. But um, yeah, it's just uh, hmm. yeah. What, maybe World just... Superbike could head there. <laughs> get, the thing is, they have Philip Island too. Oh, they, they have the opening. To... Ra- they have. The, yeah, they both go to Philip Island, Walt's and and MotoGP, and for Walt it's the opening round of the calendar but the thing as is, well. Like, even like with the... like the Australian Motorcycle Grand Prix, we're in a situation where three venues want to host that race, where Philip Island, Bathurst, and the Bend all want to host that one race. Bathurst would be interesting, but I think I'm not sure if that would be too steep. No, no, no. Down. They're, they're so, building a completely new circuit at Bathurst just to host the race. Ah, uh, right, that's right. I heard about that they were building something there. Like, where are these Australians throwing their money at to make all these racetracks all of a sudden? Like, oh my god, like, Emily, if you're listening to this, explain to me why your Aussies are building all these friggin' racetracks, please. <laughs> Must be a super avid. Yeah, jeez. Yeah, probably like, you gotta get Stoner back on the bike somehow. <laughs> yeah, build him, build him a circuit. That'll get him back. <laughs> Oh, jeez, jeez. Oh, man. That, that, that's crazy. But, uh, oh, my God. This show's pretty much over. Yeah. Oh, but I was having so much fun. Yeah, what happened oh, to the mailbag, Dre? Where are the questions at? <clears throat> um, about that. <laughs> Yeah. I may have dropped. I may have dropped the ball a little bit and said, "Hey, let's save it for the season preview next week." <laughs> hey, oh. hey, <laughs> questions. See, I'm clever. I'm stuck in the deck, King. I'm stuck in the deck. <laughs> it's a mini episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this 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 will answer the two people that complain that the show goes on too long. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure we have far more than just two listeners, Dre. It's a minority, but a very vocal minority. Like most things in life. <laughs> but um, that will just about do it real quick um, before we go off the air. Matt, tell them about your show. <laughs> so, in case you don't know, f- for whatever reason, if you're listening to the show, you probably should know who I am also. But I make MSTF1, Mystery Science Theater F1, which is a show where I make fun of races, old and new. Um, I just recently, by the time this episode has come out, it'll already be up. Um, I just released a new episode, which is about the 1983 United States Grand Prix West, which is relevant because on that Grand Prix, John Watson wins from 22nd on the grid. So it's basically the the, Indi- the St. Petersburg Grand Prix again. So yeah, <laughs> if you want to subscribe, uh, you can go to youtube.com slash c slash mstf1, watch a few videos, and please subscribe. Thank you. Shameless plug. Shameless, shameless <laughs> plug. 
But I let him have it, so it's fine. Um, yeah, just check out. Obviously, they can follow you on Twitter at Tour as well. I mean, that's the place, right? Yes, it is. Yep. Yeah. I, I keep thinking I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my speech and language kicking in there, right there. So, yeah, that, that'll just about do it for this week's episode of Motorsport 101. Faces, you can find us one more time. We're on youtube.com forward slash Motorsport 101, facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101, on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. Check that out. For that, as well as Bike Live, which, by the, which will already be out by the time you're listening to this. Big episode, obviously, um, talking about the Qatar test and World Superbikes um, at Thailand as well. Or as Lewis Sudderby conveniently came up with the name. I'm going to squat up and find it, just to make sure I get this right. Yes, it was the Buriram Beaten Down, as is the name <laughs> of the episode for it. Basically, is Jonathan Ray would, would coast to another double victory, continuing his perfect start to the World Superbike season. So, yeah, yeah, good for him. Check that out, too, if you haven't already. And check out motorsport101.net, our website. Um, I'm still trying to write 30 articles in 30 days like a complete masochist. And if you really, really like this, you can back us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. I've been Andre Harrison, and from Matt Carnero and Ryan King, thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Sayonara. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Woo-hoo! Dude, I got you. Thanks, I'm not ready. You are the world.